and thank you for listening to Roots and Wings, a podcast produced by the Tennessee Commission on Children and Youth. I'm Jonquil Newland, the director of Kids Central TN. On this episode of Roots and Wings, we're going to do things just a little different than past episodes. In this short series, we're going to focus on sharing stories from parents and families. While it's really important to continue discussions with clinicians, it is just as important to make sure our listeners know they're not alone in this. And by this, I'm really referring to this year in general. Between the March tornadoes, the pandemic, and the start of the school year during a pandemic, many Tennessee families may be struggling just a little bit. I'd like to introduce Amy Blackwell, a mother of five from Blunt County in East Tennessee. Amy's professional background does center around youth and families. She's a certified family support specialist with Tennessee Voices and also works with System of Care across Tennessee or SOCAT. But most importantly, she's a mom and a parent working to get through this pandemic just like many of you. Amy, thank you so much for being a guest on Roots and Wings today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, I want to go ahead and just begin this discussion with a very simple question, Amy. How are you? How are you and your your family doing right now? We are adapting. I guess that would be the best way to say um, how things are going. We are adapting because our world has changed very much and we're just kind of rolling with it. Adapting, that's a word I've heard a lot lately as long, and it kind of goes hand in hand with flexibility. <laughs> it's, yes. it's hard for anyone to kind of um, accept change. You know, that's just something innately human about us. It's, it's hard for change, especially right now, because <laughs> I think things are changing from day to day. Would you agree with me on that? Absolutely. I think we have to take each day and look at it and see how we're going to best get through it. Yeah, absolutely. Now you have a very unique family dynamic, Amy, and now all of your children and your spouse have been diagnosed with mental health challenges. Now, how has this changed how you all are operating right now? And can you go into it as much as you're willing to share about that? Yes. Um, it has really changed how we do things. Um, in a lot of ways, we, my husband and I have to very much watch our conversation about COVID-19 and, and what's going on in the world. But also from the mental health aspect, we've kind of had to lower our expectations to know that if one of our kids or my husband is having a really hard mental health day, that we give them the support to walk through the day. And we just know some things aren't happening. Um, they're just not going to happen. Right. So also too, um, I think one of the biggest things is a wife and a a mother um, with an entire family that has mental health challenges. I have to be very aware of each person's triggers and do more frequent check-ins, which is harder. Yeah. And each member of my family requires a different type of check-in and support. So I have to really focus each day that those are my priority. Real quick, Amy, I understand you have five children. What's the age range from your with your they, kids? I have four boys and a girl. My youngest is a little boy who is four. My daughter is seven. My son and the next three are boys, and my son is nine. And then I have one that's 17 and one that's 21. 
What a range, Amy. <laughs> what a range. That's got to be tough and tiring when you think about how you have to be mentally invested in how each one of your family members is doing. Is that impacting you specifically at all? It's, it's very, it can be very exhausting sometimes. I have to remember to practice good self-care and to just know that I might not have it all together all days every day. And it's okay to say that I'm tired and that I just need a break for a minute. Yeah. When all this was beginning, Amy, I'd like to know a little bit about, I mean, because I don't think anybody that I've ever known yet has actually lived through a global pandemic before. I know they've happened, just not in a really long time. Um, when when did it kind of set in for your family? Like, uh, this is this is for real and this is, okay, now, now we got to kind of change how we routinely operate. That was probably in week two. The first week, everybody thought it was cool mm-hmm. with the exception of me because I had to, I work out in the field. I work with families out in their homes. So I had to, there was a lot of changes for me work-wise. So now I'm home all day and, you know, it was probably week two or three. Then we're like, this is, we're in this for the long haul. Like things are going to have to look a lot different for our family, like how we do things. Absolutely. And you, you, because you have such a range of ages within your children, Amy, is, does that change how you, for instance, talk to your four-year-old uh, with those who are in their later teens? Obviously I'm sure it does, but how, how were you able to juggle that a little bit with just the general kind of questions they may have? And, and I'm kind of curious did did your children come to you with questions of I'm yes. I'm kind of curious what is going on or I I'm concerned yeah, my, or I'm scared. Four year old, my four year old is just he kind of realized we weren't going anywhere. Like we weren't going we're going to the store. He he likes to go shopping, and so he realized. And I'm like, we just can't today. Um, my seven and nine year old, they they have more um issues with it um my nine-year-old came to me one day and he said um uh, do you know when this virus is going to be over because i'm really tired of the staying at home and i was like me too buddy me too so we had to be real careful about you know talking about numbers and who it affected and then we were able to have some conversations with our older kids but we did that either late in the evening and sometimes even by text mm-hmm. um because we didn't want the younger kids to hear, you know, that there are 900 cases in our county or that we can't go places. It, it was it was a struggle because my younger kids didn't get it. They thought they were being punished. Right, right. Why can't, why can't we go to the places that we want to go, you know? That's a good point. That's a really good point. Young kids thinking that they're, you know, this is obviously, this is, doesn't feel right. It's not right. <laughs> I think I'm he being punished. Grounded. He said, did I do something and you forget to tell me I was grounded? <laughs> I think I to go anywhere in like several weeks. And I'm like, buddy, nobody's going anywhere. Oh gosh. It, it was a struggle for us. We didn't get to see, you know, we kind of didn't get to see family. Mm-hmm. So there was birthdays were missed like this right out shortly after it happened. My youngest one turned four and grandparents didn't show up to a birthday party. Mm. Like my kids were like, are they okay? Fortunately, we were able to call them like via zoom or, or FaceTime, but they were concerned about all the people that we weren't getting to see. Were they okay? 
Yeah. And, and was that, would you say, Amy, kind of one of your biggest challenges, especially with your children of, you know, I'm sure they're always kind of interacting with their peers or their friends and all of a sudden and everything just kind of got shut down or turned to their devices, uh, which both has its pros and cons, I guess, in a way. That's a whole nother kind of episode we could talk about. Yeah. But, but what other bigger challenges have you guys faced as a family because of all this? We lost our support system. Mm. I mean, my parents live next door, so they were in our bubble. Um, but we didn't get to see most of our family. It was like almost three months before they got to see their other grandparents. Um, wow. Couldn't go to church. That's a huge support for us. And my kids go to equine therapy. So equine therapy and therapeutic riding, you can't do this by telehealth. Right, right. So we lost almost everybody other than immediate right here in our home support i mean i can call people but my kids don't call people on the phone they need to see that they need to see their faces they need to get those high fives and those hugs and they lost all the people they didn't get not lost them but they lost the ability to see all those people that they were with all the time weekly right Right. That has to be really, really hard. How are your, and I'm, I can only assume because this is not over that you guys are still very separate, separated from that support system. How are you guys doing right now? And have you, Amy, been able to reach out? I know you're obviously a professional and you, you, you would know where to reach out, but have you been able to reach those resources that you needed for your family? I know you said you lost your support system, but that's got to be yes. tough. Very fortunately, as the phase has kind of rolled out, since equine therapy is done outside primarily, we have been able to go back to therapy. And not only do my kids use the equine therapy, but we have the same therapist because I realize that I've got to have somebody who's not my husband, not my mother, someone who's not walking along in the trenches with me every day. So um, when they go to therapy twice a month, one of those, half those therapy set, 30 minutes of therapy is mine. Like they do things because we have, there's more with it being equal and there's more than just one therapist. So I get 30 minutes of each one of those sessions talking to the therapist about the things I'm struggling with as a mom, um, our behavioral setbacks, which have been many over this. If you take two are really working on things like how you behave when you're out in public or how to handle the anxiety about what's going on. I needed somebody to share those things with. Well, people think, well, you don't have a mental health diagnosis. So why would you go to a therapist? Because I needed help too. Right. So that we've fortunately we've able been able to go back to therapy but it's still hard. And I do, I have great coworkers that check in on me. I have friends that check in, but still it's, you're still missing that face to face. So it's hard, but we're, we're getting better at navigating this telehealth, um, electronic communication with folks. And you brought up a really good point, Amy, and kind of the behavioral changes that you've noticed over the past couple of months, because stress, anxiety, changes, just life changes in general can can impact any youth in general, specifically those who might be dealing with a, more mental health challenges. What specifically kind of behavioral changes have you really picked up on and in, in which age children were you seeing most in? Um. 
it's usually the focus is usually on my seven and nine year old. Um, they also have had the most trauma. Um, my two, because I guess I didn't share this, that my three youngest are adopted mm-hmm. from a severe abuse situation. Um, the youngest we got at birth, so he really didn't suffer that other than in the womb. But my two, my seven and nine year old suffered some pretty severe trauma. And my two oldest are my, you know, my biological children. So I see more out of my kids who have had some trauma. Um, but my two oldest dealt with it a little different. They're just, they had a hard time not getting to see their friends and, you know, limited on what they could do. Harder for my 17-year-old because he really wasn't able to go out. My 21-year-old has a job, so he goes out, he works. But my 17-year-old doesn't get to see his friends. But my 7 and 9-year-old is where we saw a lot of the behavioral setbacks. Mm-hmm. Worked really hard with them on how we behave when we go out in public to like a store. So as they started to roll back the, um, you know, some of the phasing until it started to get worse again, you know, we try to trip out with our mask to go into a store, but then we had some anxiety and we ended up just like two weeks ago, having a complete meltdown in the middle of the store. Yeah. Which we hadn't seen that in like two years time. Like, so it was hard to know that some of that is based on the anxiety of being in the store and being out. You also, when you mentioned the word masks, that brought up another question, Amy. I know um, the masks debate, I guess you can, lack of better words, it's it's tough getting anyone to, to really wear their mask as we've seen uh, on downtown, in downtown Nashville quite often on the weekends. But how are you as a parent um, trying to get your kids to really understand the importance of a mask and are they actually doing it specifically with your older ones who have jobs and are, are going out a bit more without parental guidance? Um, pretty much out here in East Tennessee, the biggest, the county that we live in does not have a mask mandate. All the counties surrounding us do. And almost every store location that you go in requires one. So, you know, our conversation is, is it's not about whether you want to, It's about the fact that you're expecting to, like, this is the requirement. So it's, and so I explained it to my younger kids is this is the rule for that store. The store says you have to wear a mask. So we haven't went into the conversation of, you know, is it effective, not effective? We've went with, this is the expectation of the store and this is what we're going to do. Um, We really had to work on that, but, you know, having general reminders. When we go in the store, we need to wear a mask, which means we would need to wear it over our nose. And not fussing when you see them pulling at it or tugging at it. Just that general reminder, hey, cover your little nose back up, please. Mm-hmm. And it, for me as a parent, I have to watch. I have to keep an eye, you know, definitely eyes. Are they pulling that mask down? Are they playing with it? What are they touching? And then we had to remember that each one of our kids are very different. So we have bought lots of different masks and work to see which kid wears which mask better. And they all have different masks because something was more comfortable 
Right. You know, my older son, his mask is very different than my younger kids' mask. So making sure they fit and what works for the kids. I mean, you would think my seven and nine-year-old would want something that had like characters on it. Their masks are very plain, but they're the ones that they chose to wear. And they're wearing them, and that's exactly the important part, right? Yeah, right. They, they fit right. They're not too big. They're not too small. And they cover them. So it was really important to work to find something that they were comfortable in because wearing a mask is not comfortable. Not it is not. That. So we have went through multiple masks and finding something that works for them. Good for you guys, Amy. And, and I'm so glad that your kids are, are – or going along with what you are saying as well. I think, you know, I, I happened to witness and I almost went through it myself, but you mentioned masks are very uncomfortable and, and walking in from a hundred degree heat and you kind of maybe were walking uphill a little bit and now you're like breathing hard and all you want to do is taking a deep breath and you can't do it with those masks on. It's, 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 a, it's a struggle for everybody. Absolutely. You know, and speaking of struggle for everybody, I know right now we are recording this in um, about early to mid-August where most schools have either gone back to school and or are about to head back to school, whether that's in classroom or virtually. Um, Amy, how are you guys tackling the whole back to school thing? We actually homeschool, but I want to let you guys know it's it's been a struggle. It's even though that's what we've always done, we're still having a struggle. Um, they're not used to me being home all day. So that work-play balance is a huge adjustment for them. They think that since I'm home, they shouldn't have to do school because that's what we've been doing all summer. Mm. Um, so... For me, it's hard because I'm in my office and I'm working and sometimes I hear things not going so well on the other side of the door. I can't go fix it because I'm in a meeting or I'm working with a family. So we're adjusting, but it's not easy. I'm going to tell you, it's been a rough morning around here. Uh, It happens, but I think one of the things we've had to work really hard on is keeping a routine. We get up at the same time. We do the exact same thing every day. And, you know, we have it. If my office door is shut, you can't come in. If it's open, then you can come and ask me um, if it's okay if you come in. But I can't, I have a hard time trying to, I want to be the mom and I want to go out there and fix it. But I know some parents are working at home and they have to go fix it right then. So then it's stress of, Am I not getting my work done and my employer expects my work to be done, but I need to help my kids because I need them to have a proper education. So there's a lot of struggle there. You bring up a really good point of just in, in, you know, as we have all been through this now going on five months, the whole like getting used to those other people at home (laughs) or the pets or the whatever, you know, everything, you know, this has been different, but it, I can I cannot imagine, Amy, let me say that, like hearing, as you mentioned, hearing maybe a little bit of struggle and you not being able to pull yourself away to be like, all right, let me fix this real quick. I'm assuming you have someone come in and, and obviously do the teaching or is this a virtual at this moment? Like, I'm not sure exactly um, how. Yeah, go ahead. Ours, we're independent and my mom helps us. We, gotcha. and my husband is, runs his own business. So we, it's kind of a collaborative effort. Um, My mom used to work for the school system, so she understands um, how things need to go. So she is, you know, 
she helps us a lot with the homeschooling aspect. So she is the one that's monitoring things going on. We work on the curriculum together and get it set up. And um, so when I've got the door shut and I'm working with a family or I'm in a meeting and she's taking care of it, but sometimes they just want mom (laughs) and I can be in a meeting or working with family and I can hear it. And I know I can't just say, excuse me, I'll be right back. Yeah. I have responsibilities to my job and that's how you provide for your family. So you can't just stop what you're doing. That would be me saying like, okay, we're going to stop right here. I'll be back in 30 minutes because my child is having an absolute meltdown. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, well, I, you know, I'm so thankful and grateful, Amy, that you're willing to kind of share what your family is going through because I know, I know there are hundreds, if not thousands of families going through the same exact thing right now. Um, I did want to ask you, especially for families who may need a little extra support, um, do you believe right now that there's enough assistance for Tennessee families? And, and if not, where do you think there could be opportunity to grow a little bit? I feel like there is a lot of assistance available, but I think there could always be more. Right, okay. Um. I think one of the things that we need to realize is we need more mental health providers in in our more rural areas, especially ones who use our system of care philosophy, where we kind of collaborate across agencies mm-hmm. um, for families and youth with the purpose of improving services and access to care. Because in some of our more rural communities, we don't have access. So, you know, being a mental health provider, um, We're able to see so many more children, youth and young adults and families, and walk with them each day on their journey and kind of overcoming their mental health challenges through providing telehealth services. And that's what everyone is doing. Mm -hmm. But there's a great need to continue that outreach and education of mental health, uh, you know, using these resources. Absolutely. I, you know, as, as Governor Lee was coming into office, he spoke a lot about mental health and, and obviously COVID-19 has everyone kind of um, sidetracked at the moment, but I really hope uh, at least maybe even this episode conversation kind of brings the mental health aspect um, back up a little bit. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Amy, what advice do you think you, you have for parents who may be feeling a bit overwhelmed right now? Um. I think you need to reach out um, to families. Um, One of the things going back, you know, on the previous question is I would love to see more opportunities for families to connect with um, certified family support specialists. Mm -hmm. We need services in the communities in which we live. You know, we talked about where we are, but like my role as a certified family support specialist, we're kind of collaborative problem solvers. Um, with lived experience, and we kind of navigate the child-serving systems, such as school and mental health. Um, and we walk alongside parents in their similar journey. Um, sometimes we just need someone who gets it. And, like, in my role as a family support specialist, I kind of seek to empower other parents that may not have that voice. Um, so one of the things is, if you're able to connect with a peer, I think that's important. Also, have a lot of grace with yourself and your child and your school system. Um, one of the biggest things is remember if today is hard, 
then you can always start again tomorrow. And sometimes you just have to take a break. Do something fun together. And remember, you don't have to go anywhere to laugh and have fun. And of course, always practice self-care. Yes. Yes. I think, you know, that's, it's much easier said than done, Amy. <laughs> much easier. You have to make time for that self-care. Yeah. Yeah. What has been, I'm curious, what has been your, your favorite go-to self-care moment for yourself? Besides um, that 30 minutes when you're, when your kids are on the horses. <laughs> um, play my Nintendo Switch and I read. There you go. Okay. <laughs> I know that's not what you thought I would say, but yes, I, and I had used playing my Switch as a way to connect with my 17-year-old, so it's... Two birds with one stone. Yes, it's actually really fun. He got me started on playing Animal Crossing, and we have had a good time, and he's teaching me the ropes, and we have a good time doing it together, and I really have enjoyed it. So between reading, and sometimes I just take a drive as well. You know, I second that. I um, I have done that. I don't know. I've been along the Natchez Trace. I don't know how many times. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to get in your car, turn on the, the best music you can for whatever mood you're in, and just go for a little bit. You're absolutely right. Um, Amy, thank you so much for, for sharing your family's story with us. Is there anything I did not ask you that you wanted to, to talk about a little bit or make sure our listeners are kind of thinking about? No, just remember each day is a new day. I like that. And, you know, I, I'm sure our listeners have heard me say more than once, but it's okay not to feel okay. It's okay. Definitely. It's okay not to feel okay. Cause some days I don't feel okay. Yeah. So some days I just, I'm like, I don't want to do this today, but it's okay. It's okay. We got to keep getting through this and we'll keep doing it together. Um, well, Amy, again, thank you so much for being a guest on Roots and Wings. And uh, I really look forward to hopefully having another, another conversation with you uh, in the future. But I really do appreciate your time. Thank you. All right. Uh, and for our listeners, this has been an, another episode of Roots and Wings. We'll see you again next time. This is Jonquil Newland. <laughs>